Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, so one of the things, because, and I know I have a unique perspective, because I'm, I'm in fact, I brought with me today, um, now, I, I don't, each of these is a commentary on 1 Corinthians, okay? And so, as I've gone through, now, there's been weeks where I haven't, some of these, like, I haven't hit this one every week, um, uh, this one I hit, I, I think only a couple times I haven't read from this guy. He's really interesting. Um, Paul Barnett, you've probably seen some Paul Barnett quotes. I've had some of his on there. He's super interesting. I like his commentary because at the end of each little section, he's got a, um, like other things to consider in this passage. And honestly, there's been some times where his main focus, I ended up going, there was something he brought up in a side question. I'm like, ooh, that's really interesting. And that's kind of where I, I went. Um, uh, Charles Urban this is one of my smaller ones. I think I've hit him every single week. Um, the two biggest ones I've hit, um, one of them is Stephen Um. Uh, you've probably heard a lot of Stephen Um quotes as I've gone through. Uh, I'm going to be totally, totally honest with you here. My favorite thing about his commentary is he can tell he's a pastor. And so each of his sections, when he was looking at the different sections... There's been more than one time where I was looking at a part of Corinthians and I'm like, this is really interesting, but I don't see the sermon in it. You know what I mean? To get up and actually talk about like to, to have a conversation about it, I was getting that real clearly, but I was having trouble figuring out where's the, where's the sermon here to preach the thing? And he's been very helpful. There's been several times that from what he had, I was like, in fact, today is one of those days. There was something, I was looking at this last portion, in fact, um, I was almost ready when I got to the end here. This last chapter is, feels like a very, in fact, uh, one of these other commentaries said, this last chapter is very anticlimactic. I mean, you're going through and you get to chapter 15, it's like the resurrection. And then you get to chapter 16 and he's like, okay, so um, you need to do this and do this and make sure this happens. And, oh, he's going to come and this is gonna show, he's going to show up. And I'll try to get there when I get, I mean, it just sounds like footnotes, right? And I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm about ready. I could go ahead and start the next series. This is just kind of like end thoughts. Um, I could mention it. But then, so I was kind of reading some of these, but then I read him and I'm like, ooh, there's something good here. In fact, I'm, I'm, I think if it wasn't for Stephen Um, praise God for Stephen Um, because if I wouldn't have read what he had said, I would have missed something else, okay? Now, let me go ahead and show you this one. My last one here, my, my, my thickest one. Now, this isn't as, isn't as thick as, now you guys know who this author is, don't you? If Ben Witherington III. Um, so, you guys know, you know that this one was coming. Um, he actually, there's something... That, and he doesn't write as a pastor at all. He just really digs into this is what it was like for the Corinthian people. And this is what they would have heard when Paul was writing this. And a lot of those times where I was like, oh, this is just a quote. He's the one. That, and he would actually point out, here's the historical document that this probably came from. Or this is where Paul probably, I mean, he's like digging into all that stuff and validating. So I'm going, oh, okay, that's interesting. But because of his approach, and all of these said something similar, and I've been hitting on all along, but I'm going to say it wasn't until this week that that last little light bulb of thought came on 
to this big idea. So I'm talking about chapter 16, but there's a big idea. And Ben Witherington's uh, title for his commentary captures it. So after all this discussion we've done on 1 Corinthians, and I, I do think it was March that we started, April, May, I don't know, I was looking at it the other day. Uh, so it wasn't quite a whole year we've been in this book. But uh, it, I'm sorry, did our screen just go weird? Oh, okay. I saw it out of the corner of my eye and it threw me off. ADD, sorry. <laughs> his, the title of his book is Conflict and Community in Corinth. Now, the rest of it is a socio-rhetorical commentary on 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay, well, let's ignore that. Conflict and community. And I got to thinking about this, and I thought, you know, that is so accurate to what this book is about, what Corinthians is about. It's about community. And I got to thinking back through, and I thought, almost every week as I've been going through here, there's been some element of community that's, that's come through what he's talking about. And in fact, the, the first part of that conflict, I mean, that's what a lot of people think of when they think of Corinthians. There was conflict going on. And maybe even some between the, the Corinthians themselves and some between the Corinthians and Paul and some between the Corinthians and these other people. And there's all kinds of this like disturbance and it wasn't meshing together. And you, so you see as Paul's going through here, in fact, let me go back through some of these things. You think back to the beginning, there was these patronages and allegiances. I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow, right? I mean, there's all that, well, I follow Jesus. I mean, that's what they were doing at the beginning of Corinthians. It, it was disjointed. You see Paul breaking those things down, and I think trying to pull them together, knit them back. To, okay, let's interlock this part. Um, teachers and teaching styles. It's not about that. Interlock this part. Um, dealing with sin in the church. I'm taking this to you. I'm taking it. What? No, here's what God said. Here's what you ought to do. Here's how we can restore this and starting to interlock these people back together. Um, dealing with what is sinful, how to deal with the person who's unrepentant, how to connect uh, to people outside the church. What about dealing with cultural things and, and cultural norms or customs and, and the things going on? Remember like the food offered to the idols and what do we do about those things? Do you remember talking about all that stuff? And, and then even when you get down to how you deal with the spiritual gifts that we talked about, if you think back to what one of Paul's big things was, it's about the what's best for all of us. Don't just use these for this. It, it, it's meant to help everybody else. And so thinking through, even and, and I'm telling you, it, whatever you bring to the table, to this church, that's the way you ought to be thinking is, how, how is me being here going to be a benefit to everybody else? Okay? Um, then even at the end when he's dealing with the resurrection, uh, if you go back and you think through some of the things he's talking about, it's about community again, and ev eventually it's about this completely restored community that we're all going to be part of in heaven. And he's bringing these people together. And so I think what happens here at the very end is an application of all these things. Paul, I mean, he's hit applications, he's been practical the whole way through, but then at the very end, he doesn't leave it off. These footnotes, these little, little addendums to the end of this letter are actually very practical, playing out, and I'm going to use this phrase, gospel reconciliation. Have you heard the word reconciliation before? So he's, bringing, he's reconciling these people back together, but he's doing it in light of the gospel, okay? 
Now, okay, so that's Corinthians, boom. Let me ask you another question. I'm going to set that over here for a second. Let's see, let me ask you another question. This question is going to be a little bit tough to answer, and I don't necessarily need a whole bunch of answers. I might take a few, um, but I'm asking this next question to get your minds thinking. Okay? The question is then, are there, or and if there are, what sorts of things divide us? Now, don't answer yet. What sort of things divide us? Now, the Corinthian church, we knew what was dividing them. It's been recorded in Scripture. We go back, we can look at it, we can see, and Paul addressed it. But what about us? What sorts of things divide us? Now, when I use the word us, let's start small. Let's talk about this, just us. Okay? Then expand it a little bit. And I want you to think, because with the Corinthians, they were meeting in different home churches meeting in this house, and this house, and this house, like house churches. But he was dealing with them as a whole, the Christians of Corinth. So we could even expand it a little bit. The Christians of Danville. Okay? Now I'm going to end it at that spot for just a moment. What sorts of things divide us? Let's start here. I think we're pretty united, so I'm not trying to dig down and find something because, you know, I'm not looking for you to look over there. Some of you are going, well, somebody keeps moving the chairs. That's dividing us. Literally, <laughs> down the middle. <laughs> that was me. Um, what sorts of things could, could divide us? Anybody have anything? Yeah. Oh. My goodness, thank you, Jesus. Somebody knew the exact right answer to give. That's going to be hugely important. Okay, we'll come back to that one. Thank you, Denise. Preferences, good. Age, ooh, good one. Personality, schedules, oh, yeah, that's good. Leadership, anything else? Marital status, ooh, I hadn't thought about that one. It's good. And you guys' answers are way better than I was anticipating. I am so sorry. I was not expecting this good of a... These are excellent answers. Yeah. Politics. Good. Now, spread it out to, to the churches of Danville. Now, are we the only Christians in Danville? No. Are we the only God-focused Christian church in Danville? Are there other churches today, right now that are pleasing and honoring to God, but aren't here? Yes, okay. Um, so some of that division, I'm not looking at, I know that sometimes we're, well, we're here and over there, so geographically we're, you know, we're in different places. And honestly, I think that's okay, because they, they were doing the same thing. They weren't all in one giant building. They didn't even have a giant building to meet in. Okay? They were this house and this house and this. But there was a unity that Paul was working towards. So what sorts of things divide Churches from other churches in Danville. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's, I'm going to hold that one for a second. You guys can keep thinking. So now, that's usually like the first thing that comes up, and, and that, that's a good one. So now, there, there's a dividing line that I think ought to remain, because there are, there are churches that are churches in name, but they're not preaching the gospel. Okay. That's, that's important to understand. Okay, there are places that are not preaching the truth 
from Scripture. So let's set them aside. So now let's, let's go over here. So now, within this scope of churches that are preaching the gospel, there's, there's some variety uh, and some differences of opinion on some things that I would consider as minor. Okay? Um, we've talked about that a few times. I don't want to dig into that too much today because that's not the main focus here. But let, let's go. There can be some disagreement on exactly where that is, you know, even with us. But, but let's say for a moment, just amongst those churches that are preaching the gospel, there may be some differences of a few things here and there, but for the most part, preaching the gospel, what are some things that might divide us? Yeah. Race. Race. Is that true? We got Simone. <laughs> and JJ. And JJ. Yeah, oh, he's not in here. Just think about JJ. <laughs> um, that's, that's a reality. I get along. Some of them, my favorite people to talk to at school, um, Christians that are black, and I get along with them. I love them. There's great fellowship there. And I'm always thinking, I wish I could have more of that. That's going to come up in a minute. But that's, that is something. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking of the one. Um, what else could divide us? Hmm? Yeah, so, so, and that comes down to, like, even, I, I think sometimes people get, like, in, in the spectrum of what's right, there's some that are in the spectrum of what's right, but they're, like, they see the spectrum as this big. Right? And so anything that's even slightly different, they're, well, I can't, no, you're wrong. Okay? Ooh, you're wrong in a different way. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. What else is there? Similar to that, worship and music style. Yeah, some of the same things we were talking about earlier, right? Preference. In fact, I'm going to throw another one in that Denise mentioned a minute ago. I think that that actually plays into some of the. There's some churches that are now. I think on the spectrum of churches, for the most part. We, I, I gotta be honest. I'm looking around. We we we're we're kind of hodgepodge. I, I'm really happy about that. It's not all a bunch of rich people here, and but and I know there's a bunch of poor people here, and there's a bunch of rich. There's people that got some. There's people that don't. I think I think we'd fall definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. Like some of you are like making it week by week. Am I gonna make it till next week? Okay, so you know, but. I think there, there is that, in, even in Danville. I think there's some churches that are very affluent, and that there's a lot of people that have a lot of good things going for them, and they're all going to the same spot. And there's some churches, I think, that probably are just barely making it, right? And most of the people that are there are barely making it. Anything else comes to mind? What sorts of things divide us? Yeah. I don't know how to word it, Mm. So just baggage between churches. Yep. Yeah, and I think Danville, I'm sure it's like this in all towns, but Danville, I think you'd probably find that even amongst the churches that are right in preaching the truth, you're going to find some people like, well, that happened there with that particular person, and I now and this and that pastor did this thing, and, and this. And sometimes it's cases where that, those people aren't even there anymore, but because of what happened, there's this remaining baggage. That's, that's good. That's good. I'm scrolling through my notes, but if you think of another one, you got another second here. Um, I'm going to throw in there, I think that you guys are answering great, but I'm still going to throw this thought out there. I think that for some, this is a challenging thought when you start trying to answer this question. 
okay? Because for the most part, I think most humans naturally are inclined to hang around with the people that are most like them anyway. Would you say that's true? So when I ask the question, what divides us? Some of you, that, that's a tough thought, and you really have to just think, what sorts of people aren't here? Now, I love Edgewood, and I think we're better than most. I feel like we have a right. Uh, Lucinda mentioned age. Um, uh, that, that's the, I mean, there's, there's churches full of, in this town, that are full of all older people. And there's churches in this town that are full of primarily younger people. And a few old people that still think they're young that probably should stop. <laughs> Calm it down. <laughs> right? And, and the, the style thing factors into that. And then even in those, those patches, you, you even have like the, 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 the wealth thing, maybe even in those churches. I think... If Paul was writing to Danville, first and second Danvillians, he'd probably have some things to say on this exact same topic of what divides us and how we ought to seek to reconcile it. Now, let's take these two things together. And I think we're going to see a couple of, and I just now realized I don't have my clicker. Is it up here? It's on yours. Um, I think we're going to see as Paul lays out this last portion that there are some practical applications of how we can work towards And I think you, as, I, as you hear them, you're going to go, we're doing some of that. As a church, I think we're doing some of those things. This is not going to be one of those Sundays where we're going to walk away and go, man, we stink. We're not doing anything right now. This is going to be one of those Sundays where I think some of these things you're going to go, well, we're, we're doing these things. Okay? So let's jump into chapter 16, verse 1. Paul writes this, okay, so he just finished his resurrection. You may remember that the two words at the beginning there, now concerning, there's going to be two more of those. This one, and there's going to be one more before we get to the end of this chapter. Those are things that Paul is saying, they must have written to him something, and so he's answering some questions. Okay, so here's the, 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 there's two more. This is the next to last one where he's answering something that they had brought up. So he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Now, there, I'll get some more here. There's a specific collection that's going on. You can actually read about this in the book of Galatians. They talk about the same thing. I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. But this is above and beyond. So even that phrase there, the collection, this is above and beyond their regular giving. Okay, so there's, there's giving, there's tithing that you're doing. Uh, I think a lot of people ought to do that. You're giving that 10%. That's a great starting place. You're like, how much should I be giving? That's a wonderful place. Let's start right there, right? But this is an example of, of more above and beyond that. So this is, other, other than this giving that you're doing to the church regularly, there's a collection that they're doing for a specific purpose. Kind of like, didn't we just do something like this? What did we just do that was like this here? We do that every year, don't we? The, the same idea. So they, he was saying there's this extra thing above and beyond your regular giving I want you to consider giving to. And then he says this, verse 2, On the first day of the, every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So he's telling them, I'm on my way. He's saying, don't wait. 
right? Start setting some things aside. By the way, side note, this is one of the examples in the New Testament where we can see where the Christians were meeting on the first day of the week. Uh, just a little side note there. Um, but he's telling them to put something aside, store it up. I know there's some of you in this church that do this all year. In fact, I think the, some of the Lyft ladies, they do this for Lyft. They have this thing at the end of the year that they do. And some of you have talked about that before where you're every week, I'm going to put this much aside or I'm going to set this aside. So that at the end of the year, you've got that already ready. Perfect example of this going on that Paul is actually telling them this is how you ought to do that. Um, notice as well that he says, as, as you may prosper. Okay? In your abundance. This brings up something else. We're going to see in the next verse um, that this, is, this collection is going to Jerusalem. Now, who was here when I preached through Acts? Yeah? Where did the church start? Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem at this point, we believe, scholars believe that at this point, that area was going through a major famine. I want you to think for a moment about the church, the Christians that were in Jerusalem. There was something that they did initially, and I, I think it really kick-started, uh, even like before the persecution that came down where people started leaving, there was something that really kick-started the growth of the church right at the very beginning. And I think it's actually playing out here. The, the church in Jerusalem, when it first started, one of the things that they did was they started selling everything they have and distributing it among each other to help each other out. Everything had, everybody had everything in common. They were helping each other out. I think that you even see, as you went, we went through Acts, there were some of the, the first missions journeys, uh, even though some of them came from Antioch, you see that Jerusalem church playing a part. i got to be honest, I think that this church, when this famine hit, Consider all those people who had had property who had sold it. Now, we've got some bad examples of that, but there's some good examples of that. I think that this church may have been not fully prepared for this famine. In those days, wealth was very much associated with property. And if they had been selling their property to help each other out, and then suddenly a famine hits, they're struggling. We know they're struggling. But it's interesting to me that here, when they were prospering, they were, they were doing this sort of thing where they're selling and giving, and, right? And, and then you see them like funding missions, like things are going out. And now here, suddenly the, the, the tables have turned. There's a famine that hits Jerusalem. And now Paul, some of these churches where he's gone to, that could trace their lineage back to Jerusalem, to be honest with you, are now going, Paul's going, hey, they're, now they're in need. See that right there? as you may prosper, even on a personal level. Let me ask you this. Um, if all you made last year, I don't think anybody's quite this low, but maybe some of you might be. If all you made last year was $5,000, right? Given 10%, 500, that'd be a big deal, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay. If you made $50,000 in a year, I think some of you might fall into that category, about that range. Some of you are like, I wish. <laughs> I saw that look on some of your, your, some of your eyes got big. 10% um, would be 5,000. That'd still be a pretty big deal, wouldn't it? Not as challenging, I don't think, as the person who made 5,000 had to give 500. Still 10% for both, isn't it? 
Now, I know this next category. I know nobody in here is falling into this category. What if somebody made, and do, I know people make this kind of money, $500,000 last year, some, some huge salary. I don't think we have any of those in Danville. What's 10% of 500000 50000 Somebody that's in that category would get 50000 That doesn't hurt as much, does it? Would you agree with that? It still hurts. But you, you, after you get the 50000 you still got $450,000. I mean, you're still like... Uh, there was a musician several years ago named Rich Mullins. Who's heard of Rich Mullins, anybody? Um, one of the things that he did is he would, when he started making it like from music sales, he, he had all of the proceeds go to the, his home church. And then he just told them, he said, I don't want to know how much I'm making. You just give me what like a typical like salary of like a working person would get. Right? Yeah. He was probably pulling in a lot more than that. But, but that's, that's the thing. That, that's what's tied up in this passage. The, the more, now, as Americans, what do we usually think? The more we make, some, the more we spend. In fact, I've, I've heard it put this way. The more we make, the more we need. You ever heard it that way? The more you make, the more you spend. The more you make, the more you need. In God's economy, that prosperity that you may feel and experience we are to be generous in that prosperity, is what he's teaching here. There, there ought to be a generosity. So as you prosper, as you're prospering, he says, store it up. Not for you, but to give. Now, going off my notes for just a moment here. Just think about the reality of this. That Jerusalem church, way over, right, Israel, Jerusalem, they had, when things were going well, a lot of them were giving, selling, doing these things to help each other. Famine hits. They're all doing bad. Struggling. Over here, churches in Galatia and Corinth, these people are doing pretty good. Corinth was a prospering town at this time. People are doing good. In their prosperity, Paul says, in your prosperity... You need to give. And I think about it from the terms of, from God's perspective. Isn't that interesting? That God's working on it. So, so I'm, I mean, and who's prospering them? Why didn't the famine hit Corinth? That's a question. Why didn't the famine hit Corinth? God's sovereignty. It's God's blessing them. And I think what we're seeing here is that in that moment of blessing, there ought to be this, this giving. I'm, I'm thinking about not just, wow, man, things are going good for me, so I get to get more stuff. Gospel reconciliation, I believe, one of the ways that we can begin to enact it with our little community in Edgewood, and then expanding it to the churches of Danville, and I think even expanding it worldwide with our missionaries and the others that we're connected with, I think starts right here. The more you make, you ought to be thinking, the more I can give. Now, truth time. I was just telling Charity two days ago. I wish, I, before I was preparing, okay, 
I wish I could get, like, and I, I gave her a number. Like, if I could just get that many. I, I, have, this, I have this secret dream of getting ahead. <laughs> Anybody else ever have that dream? And then we be like, never fulfilled. <laughs> Like, it just, I, just, I just, want to, just want to get ahead. Just, just want to get there. I, I, want, I want that sense of security. Some of you are smiling like you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, you hush. <laughs> so I, I, I was just thinking that way. And so I'm going to tell you right now, when I make more, I'm, I'm just... This is my... I'm convicted by this because I don't automatically think I made more, I can give more. I usually think I made more, maybe I can be more secure. I don't, I don't think that way all the time. I'm glad I didn't skip chapter 16. This Corinthian church and their prosperity, Paul says, you, you, what you're getting there, store it up. I'm coming to collect it because there's somebody in need. I think one of the first ways that you can begin to enact gospel reconciliation, like a reconciliation of human beings being reconciled together, that's, that's, and I call it gospel reconciliation because Jesus came to earth, died on the cross, to reconcile people back to God. We, as Christians, ought to be thinking that way. So when I say gospel reconciliation, I'm thinking, how can we picture His reconciliation this way with, with what's going on here? You see that with uh, uh, when Paul talks about, and I, I'm always thinking specifically, there's a couple places in Romans and Ephesians, we had some in Corinthians, where even like Jews and Gentiles, so this race thing was an issue for them too. And he's like, there's one particular place where Paul says, Christ came to destroy the dividing wall of hostility, and he's talking about race in that particular issue. It ought not to be there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not talking about solving the problems of the world or all of Danville. I'm talking about solving this issue. We as Christians ought to be a beacon of what it ought to be and what it could be. Yeah. And it starts, be ready to share your stuff. If God gave you more stuff, it might be because there's somebody else that God didn't give more stuff to so that you might have an opportunity to demonstrate the gospel by giving some of your stuff to them. Does that make sense? Okay. The Christian community ought to be a beacon. And I think ultimately of God's kingdom, what, it, what, it, what it's going to be like. The first Americans... Right? They came over here. They did some stupid stuff. But they also had this hope, and they called it uh, the city on a hill. The ones that were Christians, they, they had this hope of like picturing what it could be, what society could be. There's no perfect society. But if there's anything that should get close, it ought to be the community of Christian people that we see in churches. Okay? Start by being ready to share your stuff.
Paul goes on to say, when I arrive, oh, I'm sorry, I, I almost skipped this verse. This one threw me off a little bit. I was going through, and I'm, so, I'm glad I put that in the PowerPoint because I was just going to read it, but I'm like, oh, I'll put it up there. Proverbs 3.27, I want you to think about what's, what's being said here in this proverb, and this is actually something that's pictured throughout the Old Testament. It says, do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So do you see the connection with what we were just talking about when it's in your power to do it? But notice that, that word right before the comma. To whom it is what? What does that say? Do. In Scripture, there's very much this idea that it's, it's a responsibility of those who prosper to be, have their eyes open for those who are not prospering to see what can I do to help them. And here's a perfect example how the Scripture even plays it out. To whom it is due. We often think in reverse terms, don't we? There's people that I, I owe money to. I have money that is due to them. But in Scripture, there's also a due mentality to those who are in need within this community, to whom it is due. We ought to be, we have a responsibility to be looking out for those who don't have. When it's in our power to do it, it's due to them to seek to meet that need. Paul goes on, he says, When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So he's just talking about some practical things. I'm going to take this gift here. But it's starting to hint at the second point here. To not only say, okay, we're going to share our stuff. But I think you're going to see in these next few verses especially, it's also about sharing your life with others. Okay. Before I get into that, Honesty time again. Once again, just last week, and it, I, I've, I've gone to the Lord about this many times, I, I, I have a tendency to keep people at arm's length. You know what I mean by that? I'll let you get close, but not too close. Um, I know some of that is, is inherent in my personality. There's just... You know, is is there, but but I still have this tendency to keep people a little bit, and not not too not too close. Sharing my life. In fact, when I, I was reading through this, and the, the idea came. <laughs> thank you, Stephen Um. Share your life. He's that's his phrase, and I'm like, man, you're gonna see you're gonna see it here in a second. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. I mean, you see it hinted at here. The gift, he's going to take it, per I want to be there personally, and he wants some of them to go personally with him. In fact, he said, if you look, think about it, he says, it seems advisable that I should go, then I, they can, if, 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 you, if I should go as well, you should definitely go. But if it seems advisable that I should go, then they can come with me. But sharing my life, now, some of you probably don't know that about me because I, I feel like I'm pretty open, especially up here, open and honest. Um, but like to invest. And I think if you start to think about it, you might be like that a little bit more as well. Listen to what Paul says here. 
He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, uh, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps, perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Now, there's a little bit more here, but let me, let me just pause on that for a second. So I, he said, I don't want to visit you just in passing through. I don't want it to be just in passing. You see that being played out? You also start to see something here that this is more than just what he's bringing to the table to minister to them. Do you see already him also saying what you can do this way? Right? Okay, hold that thought. He says next, he says, for I do not want to see you... Uh, oh, wait, did I have this one up there? Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, for I do not want to see you just in, now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. There's this time element that starts to play into it, investing his life into these people. Now, we know he's done this multiple times. I want to read a quote from, uh, for you from Stephen Um. Okay, because I think it hits precisely hit the nail on the head from what we ought to do with this. So we, we got this idea of sharing our stuff, having our eyes open, gospel rec- reconciliation. And so Stephen was talking about some of those elements. And he says this next. He says, um, I, I think I have some slides that are out of order. Oh, no, I just had that extra one in there. Let me skip those. Here we go. Given our cultural moment... Stephen Um says, by the way, isn't that a great little thought right there off the bat? Our cultural moment. It's just a moment. How things are, it's just a, a blip. Given our cultural moment, a community like this, speaking about, imagine a Christian community... Across Danville, let's just picture Danville, because let's, let's be honest, Danville's pretty broken, isn't it? Would you... Danville's messed up. The casino is not going to solve that problem. <laughs> it might make it worse. An influx of wealth is not going to solve Danville's problems. An influx of businesses is not going to solve Danville's problems. But imagine if in this broken community, there was a community within the community, the church, to be biblical about it, that began to exhibit what community could be. That's what Stephen is talking about, and that's what Paul has been talking about all along. And now he's starting to say, hey, I want you to gather, give you your stuff, but he, it doesn't end there. there. There's this infiltration of lives Stephen Newman points this out by saying this, given, given our cultural moment, a community like this would be incredibly compelling. Would it not? Ima- imagine the, the people of Danville seeing the Christians of this town not just getting along, meeting each other's needs, fellowshipping with one another, demonstrating reconciliation instead of being divided people like the town is? What if the Christians of this town were, were, were interwoven with those dividing walls broken down? It is no secret that we live in a climate where inequality is a growing problem. 
I know that when I say that sentence, some of you have political inclinations that, that cause your, your, the, the hairs in the back of your neck, neck to ruffle. But just think about Danville for a minute. Does everybody have the same stuff? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what you, I'm, I'm telling you, front lines, dean's office. Not all kids have the same opportunity. I don't care what you think. There are kids I have seen multiple times who, who the reason why they smell like marijuana coming to school is because their mom was smoking it on the way into school. You go, but it's legal now. We're going to talk about that at some point at church, okay? We'll get there. But when you got a kid showing up at school that's high, and he's talking about how, well, he, I, I, you know, and I go, when was the last time you smoked? He goes, well, I, I, about every night I do just to get to sleep. My children have never needed to take uh, smoke marijuana to get to sleep at night. Then he, then he started to get into it. And these kids, well, where, where are you living? Well, I'm, I'm actually at my, my uncle's house right now. But last week I was at this person's house. Or you get a kid that comes in and goes, well, my mom just kicked me out. I had that th this year so far. Under 18, my mom kicked me out. So if you're sitting there going, well, this is America. We all have the same opportunities. There, there, there's an element of that that is true, but I'm telling you right now, it is not the same for everybody. There are kids in this town that have it hard. What if, as Christians, we started demonstrating something different? I'm start, starting within our community, right? The church. It's no secret that we live in a climate where inequality is a growing problem, but the thing is, every proposed solution misses the crucial point. Conservatives typically say that, that charity and philanthropy is the answer. The individual should share. Liberals, on the other hand, more or less, go the welfare route. The state, with our tax dollars in hand, should share. Now, both of these, and I, I'm going to tell you, I don't care whose toes I'm stepping on. Both of these are true, and I absolutely agree with Stephen Um here. Both of these are true. There should be elements of both of these things. Individuals and the state should share. I don't care what you think, I agree with that. But I also agree with this. But both also miss something absolutely crucial, which is why both charity and welfare come off clunky and arrogant, even offensive when you think about it. Both say, let me give you what I think you need without taking the time to get to know you let alone share life with you. So I can just pat myself on the back and return to business as usual with my conscience clear. I agree absolutely 100% with what he's saying. Both miss the point. Both miss the point. But God's way is different. God's way is different. I was reading this, 
And I, I felt really, really inspired. I did. I'm going to be honest with you. I was reading through that, and I was like, man. But here, you know, I, I fell into the exact same track of exactly what he's talking about. You know what I did? I was like, man, I wish there was some way we could capture this idea and get it going at Edgewood in a bigger way. And so then I started thinking about, like, I wonder what kind of, and I, I caught myself pretty quick doing it, but this is exactly how things happen in our world. It happens at school. It happens in churches. It happens in government. It happens all over the place. There's all kinds of institutions that go, man, there's a problem. Let's try to fix it. How can we dig in? And they, they come up with an idea, and the idea might be really good, and then they start getting it rolling. But there's an aspect, and this is why so many of these things flop. There's an aspect where there's a, I want to get this, this thing going, Kind of like a wind-up doll, crank, 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 put a bunch of effort into it. Let's get it going. This is going to solve some problems. And they, they, they set it loose. And sometimes it does some good for a while. But have you ever seen something like that that's doing good run out of steam? Think about the ones that succeed. At the core of everyone that succeeds, there's usually a person or persons that's actually doing what Paul's talking about. They're just being... People and they're sharing their lives with people. It's not actually the ministry they set up that's really doing the good. It's the people in it. Would you agree with that? And yet, here I was. I was like, man, I wish we could get something going. And I was starting to think, ministry? Like, what kind of ministry? Could, you know, then you, then you have to come up with a cool name for it. Right? The Friends of Edgewood. And then, like, okay. And so then we're going we're gonna to look out. But even in those things, what are we doing? There's a, there's a level of disassociation instead of all in. And I, I, I've told you, that's tough for me. I, I, I would like, and I know some of you would like, to say, man, I'd love to help, and so I'm going to help. And I know sometimes this is all some people can do is, is give. But I do not believe that it ends there for any of us. Every one of you is in this world and in this town. I think it's as simple as beginning a friendship. Beginning a friendship with someone who may not be like you. And if you are one that God has prospered, seeking to begin a friendship with someone who maybe financially or in other ways God has not prospered, beginning a friendship with that person. Don't fall into tra the trap of seeing them as a project. Right? It's a project. Now, if I can invest the right amount of time long enough, I can fix them and move on to somebody else. No. That is not God's way. There's an eternal aspect to the relationships we develop here. Um, can I get personal? Can I get personal? Yeah. Um, Simone is not Charity and I's pet project. Did you know that? You know where Simone's living right now? At our house. She's our friend. And one of the things that has been amazing to me and, and I'm going to get Charity here for a minute. One of the things that's been amazing to me is that exactly what it talks about, there, there's this give and take. You see that with Paul, like saying, so, like he's been ministering to them, building that church, but then he talks about how they can give back to him. 
There, there's been a couple times this, just this last few months. No? <laughs> you don't want me to share it, do you? Uh, where, uh, not the details, but Sherry's like, oh, she's thinking about doing this, thinking about doing that. It's like, oh, man, this is not going to work out. And I've heard Simone take some of the counsel that Charity's been giving to Simone <laughs> and repeat it back. It's annoying. <laughs> it's been helpful. Okay, let me read this. There's a, there's a couple. Um, the guy, it's um, Christine Pohl and Christopher Hertz. They, they took this idea of friendship. They have a book, and I haven't read it yet, but here's an excerpt. It's called Friendship at the Margins. It's about taking this idea of gospel and just saying it's not about developing a ministry. It's about just developing friendships. And they, they write something in, interesting here. They said, uh, ministry with people who are poor often uh, assumes that our task is to meet their needs. That's true, isn't it? Uh, our job is to meet, to meet their needs. A focus on friendship rearranges our assumptions from the start. Our emphasis included rejecting certain assumptions. And he's talking about for him, uh, the gifts flow in one direction. That's, that's got to stop, he says. Uh, but this... Connection begins being made. But listen to what he says here at the end. Um, oh, here, I, I'm going to read this part too. Uh, as a result, this guy, they're writing this, we, we tried instead to cultivate a shared life, a friendship, with friendship at the heart. And as these friendships grew, the needs of our friends became an invitation to practice generosity. Our own excess indicted us without anyone saying anything explicitly. You start interacting. I've noticed this at school. There's been some kids that I'm, you know, there's things that I take for, you know, take for granted that they don't have. I've called on the phone. Hey, uh, your kid needs to be picked up. They punched somebody in the face. <laughs> Can you come get him? I don't have a car. I don't have any. No. Is there, do you have any? No, I don't know. I've had a couple where, like, I don't know anybody in this town. I, I depend on uh, even my parents, my wife's parents. Like, there, there's been times like, oh man, my, this breaks down. Like, I, I, my dad knows. Been a lot of, dad, can you give me a ride? <laughs> Car broke down. Can you come give me? Right? There's people that don't. They don't have that. Right? Our excess, the things that you have that God has blessed you with, becoming it when you start mingling with those who are not in the middle of their of prosperity. You know what happens? You start. Your, your excess starts to be an indictment against you, is what he's saying. I got it pretty good. <clears throat> um, he says, uh, friendships put pressure on our lifestyle choices because our possessions and consumption patterns were hard to hide from our friends. Ah, oh, man, do I want to have Netflix and Hulu? I want to add Disney Plus to it. You got people in this town. I got kids coming to school. Like, the only place they eat is at school. That's why it's often easier to keep people who are poor at a distance or to arrange to enter their world only through brief visits. At the same time, when we started fiddling with the notion that resources don't flow in one direction, listen to this so carefully. We found grace and wisdom and gifts 
in our friends who were poor. Many have suffered unspeakable trauma, abuse, violence, and exploitation, and yet they continued to find the courage to pray. Their faith was resilient. They lived with gratitude and hope. From their poverty, they practiced abundant generosity, giving freely with joy. After this, we could no longer see these people as projects because we came to understand that we were not ministering to our friends, but in ministry among them. Don't you love that? Now, how in the world can we make this happen? Can we? I mean, I read this, thought about, I'm like, man, what an amazing idea. Instead of like starting ministry, what if we as Christians just started, man, I'm going to see to develop relationships with people, not as project, but like genuine, real friendships with people. To have my eyes open to see those things and, and to get outside of, to look to find, is there any way I can develop a friendship or relationship with somebody that's not in the same economic category as I am? I know what some of you are thinking, like, yeah, I'm going to find a real, really rich guy. <laughs> I'm going to be friends with him. No! What if, what, if, what if this started happening with those in the Christian community? Would this not be a compelling place? People would see like, man, there's something special there. And we say, you know why we're like this? Because God, right, through Christ his son, gave up everything and came down and walked around with us. Isn't that great? Because of what he did for us, I... But then it, it's got to stop being this, I'm going to help you or I'm going to help you. So I know that my, my tendency to keep people here, I mean, this is my application. don't have a special point for it on the PowerPoint slide. My application is, I, I, I got to stop doing this. It's as simple as that for me. <laughs> I got to stop doing this, keeping people right here. Am I willing to let them closer? I cannot make that happen with anybody else. Can I? But I want to ask you to search your heart and ask yourself, am I having this type of view, ready and willing to share my stuff and my life in such a way that the gospel is lifted up. I'm ready and willing to do that. I'm going to encourage you, as we shift to communion, to take that concept, fold it right into exactly what happens here. This body that Christ gave, and one of the things that we learned in Corinthians is that, and this is why we're doing it this way now, we're all one body, right? This is my body, which is broken for you, but we came from this one body. The church is one body. And so Christ, in the night he was betrayed, what did he do? He took bread and he broke it. Imagine him breaking all from the same piece of bread, handing it out to his disciples. This is my body. You're all part of it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This blood, it's a new covenant in my blood. Right? Can you see Jesus doing that for them? Pouring it out. This new covenant in my blood. I imagine them later knowing he had his body 
killed, had his blood shed, they would come back to this so often and remember, man, all he did. And Jesus told them, do this in remembrance of me. The week, this week, how you can do that is just simply by thinking, okay, Lord, you've, get, you've done so much for me. Just open my eyes. Open them up. Help me to see what opportunities might lie directly in front of me I hadn't even noticed. You don't need a pet project to take care of. What friendship or relationship might God have in store for you that could turn into a two-way street but will picture God's kingdom?